gang, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that music because it's time for another technically thrilling edition of the Rec Poker Podcast. All we do is hit our audio cues, interview famous poker players, and have a great time doing it. Um, I'm your host this week, Jim Reed. Steve Fredlin's actually playing in something juicy, so he can't make the show. Um, I'm Bluff Storini in the home game. And if you want to learn more about me and all the other members of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew. Uh, but don't take my word for it. A couple members are here tonight, starting with Chris Jones. Chris, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 five five on Poker Stars and Twitter. Uh, and I am uh, excited for this conversation because I've yet to make a run good series, but I'm, I'm really hoping to soon. So, And Tim? I'm Tim Fritz. Misclick Donkey across all platforms, Twitter, Facebook, any poker site. Um, also looking forward to this run good is actually one of my favorite series to play. So this is going to be great. Nice. Well, as you may have guessed, if you're listening along, we're, we're, we're we've got Tana Karn and, uh, Haley Hochstetler here on the show. Uh, they are two of the big people behind run good gear and all that run good has turned into. Um, so your Tana and Haley, I'll let you guys figure out how to chime in, but welcome to the show. And thanks for coming to share your story with us today. Yeah, no, thanks for having us. It's, uh, it's always fun uh, getting to meet some new people. And obviously, uh, Chris, we're hopefully going to meet you in person soon enough. And Tim, thank you. You're already making me blush, <laughs> even without a drink. So um, kudos. Um, but yeah, so my name is Tana, Tana Karn. If you guys don't know who I am, I, um, I'm the owner and founder of the Run Good Poker Series, Run Good Gear, and Run Good Events. And uh, here we also have Haley Hochstetler. I'll give a quick intro to her and she'll say hi. Um, she is the VP of marketing for pretty much everything we do, even if it's run good or even outside of run good. We do a lot of uh, client work for many casinos and other tours out there. But also, she is the lead photographer for the World Series of Poker. Cool. Welcome, Haley. Uh, why don't you tell, tell our members um, where they can reach you and uh, a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'm currently in a parking lot in Las Vegas. Uh, I just left the Rio and you can find me pretty much at the Rio any hour of the day right now, <laughs> besides right in this very moment. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter all the time at Haley Ocho. Yeah. Nice. You're a fun follow on Twitter. I always see a bunch of fun stuff coming out of your feed. Uh, you too, Tana, no offense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you might know these two from um, some of the Run Good events that Rec Poker has been enjoying. We, we do these Rec Poker road trips. And, and again, if our listeners don't know, Rec Poker, we're an online, well, we're a community of poker lovers that it's free to join, whether you're online or live. Uh, we do have a lot of home games and fun on our website at rec.poker, but we also really enjoy the fun social aspect of traveling and playing live. And that's something that the Run Good uh, series really seems to nail. Um, Tana, I mean, every time I ask people about your events, people always say that what makes them stand out is the fun atmosphere. You can tell that people are enjoying themselves and having a good time. Is that on purpose for you guys? Or is it just because of the people that come to your events? And if it's on purpose, how do you create that? How do you kind of keep that uh, positive energy as part of your part of your experience? Sure. No, great questions. Um, it, it is, it is definitely, um, it's half and half, uh, you know, with every amazing thing, there's always amazing people behind it. And, uh, you know, I can't say how awesome our players are that come out to these events, but, um, we definitely love to create an environment that allows for that kind of camaraderie. And I think the big thing about it too, is, you know, I, you know, I just got back from the series out in Vegas and, you know, I got to play the deep stack and I got to play uh, the bracelet events and all, all that stuff and visit other rooms and other, other, um, you know, tournaments that were going on. Um, and the big thing, I think that people sometimes that have never played a run good series, the big difference maker is, is a lot of the structures are designed uh, to be action oriented and more importantly, not have you be able or not have you test your stamina every day um you know when i was at the world series of poker playing the bracelet event you know we were playing 17 levels 40 minutes each um from dusk to dawn and that's not including breaks and dinner breaks so if you can imagine you know the mental toll that kind of takes on somebody you know and especially if they're doing it for a straight you know two weeks or three weeks or four weeks however long you're out there um you know, you can kind of see when everyone starts to get just a little bit bitter 
online or a little bit more bitter on their tweets or a little bit more bitter on their posts, uh, which is understandable, which happens. But uh, more importantly, though, I think we really did hit a nice sweet spot with a our price points. Um, you know, a lot of thing, a lot of people love our price points. And the big thing about it is it's only a week long, um, but it allows you to get as much poker in as you'd like without having to really break you down mentally. Um, so our main event flights actually only last roughly about six and a half hours. Uh, depending on, you know, this upcoming one that we're doing, we're going to be playing to the money. Um, we're trying that out for the first time, which people do enjoy because, you know, if you're going to make day two, you want to already have a little profit in your pocket and, you know, really get that sweat of being in the money. But, um, outside of that, you know, it's really, it's really supposed to be, um, enjoying those, you know, the one thirty fives the one eighty fives where, you know, it accumulates a good chunk of money up top. Um, but more importantly though, if you are having to rebuy or, or buy in a couple times to, you know, get something going, you know, we want people that travel in with the understanding that they took off work or, you know, they basically, you know, this is their weekend without the kids, or this is, you know, their little getaway with the guys or girls, um, to really be able to play as much as they want. Um, and at the end of the day, not break the bank and more importantly, not break down mentally. So um, yes, it's a long story or long answer or long story to your answer or the answer that I'm giving you is uh, it is halfway designed because of that. But because of those elements, um, the people that come out for these things are absolutely amazing because they come to have a good time and it really hits home when people are, you know, having last level beers or, you know, making sure they're eating, you know, they're inviting everyone to breakfast before the tournament starts or, you know, going off on dinner break together or, you know, even on breaks, just talking over hands or grabbing a beer or going into a slot pool together. Um, there's no shortage of action uh, throughout the week. And I think that's what really brings it all together. Yeah, well, that that obviously resonates a lot with us. We're all recreational players. We, we're amateurs in the true sense that we play for love of the game. And uh, it's about the community and having fun together and railing each other. You know, whenever we do a... Uh, a rec poker road trip, there's often that breakfast before uh, the grind where everyone can get together in that sense of community. So I know that's, uh, I know that's something that we really enjoy. And so, and I, I mean, I'm just glad that it's working out because people do mention that every single time uh, we talk about your events. So, um, you know, it's why, it's why uh, we've chosen to kind of come along and piggyback on so many of yours, because I think our, our members really do enjoy it. Uh, so we've got a question from Jim Gibson, the real Jim here in the chat who asks, uh, what is Tana's background and how did he start Run Good as an apparel uh, company? Because I know that was the sort of the origin of all this. Tana, can you tell us a little bit about what got you into that and then how that morphed into what uh, everything has now become? Sure, sure. Um, so we'll, we'll, go, we'll go do a little flashback here. Um, you know, I grew up in the restaurant industry, actually. And uh, a big thing in restaurants is, well, at least Asian restaurants, I should say, um, is a little bit after hours gambling. And so I grew up, you know, doing a couple of games here and there. Um, and I, you know, that kind of led into some things in high school, um, in college where, you know, I ran some, you know, just fun tournaments with, the uh, you know, the dorm rooms and, and, uh, the guys at, uh, different houses and things like that. And eventually, um, my true background of kind of where all of this kind of accumulated is, was I actually used to work in sports. I used to work for the NBA, um, out in Los Angeles, and uh, my team was the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, we did marketing and sales, and you know the big thing when I joined the Clippers was um, I joined in an era where they were atrocious, and I'm talking like zero and thirty-two. Like you couldn't give anyone a ticket to come to the game. Um, it was a struggle. Um, but in that struggle, the big thing we learned, and a lot of our customers and, and fans that came out is at the end of the day, the big thing that I learned was people don't really, you know, people are going to show up when you're winning. But um, if you can put out a good enough product and make it not always about basketball, at the end of the day, like people coming to that arena, there's giveaways, uh, there's the mascot, there's the cheerleaders, uh, you know, there's the, you know, those little side mini games during the halftime and, and the quarter uh, the interviews, um, you know, the season ticket appreciation uh, events, you know, there's a lot that goes behind just the basketball game. Um, and I learned at the end of the day, you know, win or lose, um, people need to leave the stadium knowing they had a great time. And so we kind of took that mentality and put it to, towards poker. Um, and it really kind of 
you know, highlighted us in a, to be a different product than what's out there kind of for some of these other uh, tours that are going on. Uh, not saying that they're better or worse, but just saying it's a different product when you, when you come out, cause you know, we make sure that you are taken care of on or off the felt. Um, as far as the apparel part, um, that started back in 2012 and, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was looking to kind of just be able to travel a little bit, maybe write off some, you know, gas, gas receipts, traveling to some casinos here and there. Um, and then, I really just printed out some shirts and put them into a backpack and came out to the series. Uh, No expectations. Um, And it's always funny. I love telling the story because, you know, I was at a table. uh, There's a $1,500 WSP bracelet event and Bernard Lee was there with me. And Bernard Lee is now one of our ambassadors. He's a great media ambassador. He writes for ESPN. Uh, He does does podcasts like you guys um, for the Northeast, for the poker community out there. and I remember getting my backpack out, you know, I was doughy dyed, Bambi, you know, whatever you want to call it. I was like, oh my God, I'm here. I'm in Vegas. Um, I'm getting to play with all these guys I've seen on ESPN, you know, and when, when Bernard made his run and I recognized him and, you know, I got my you know bag of shirts out. I was, you know, been able to hand them out to random people that I was playing with. Um, and I go up to Bernard and I'm like, Bernard, Hey, like, you know, Hey, would you like a shirt? Um, and he looks me square in the eyes. He's like, Nope, I'm good. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, Oh no, no. The dream's dead. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's funny because uh, after we played together for a little bit and we actually got to start talking about it and what I was trying to do, you know, with the big thing of trying to get poker its own, um, almost own brand or clothing line where, you know, like skateboarding had DC or surfing had Quicksilver. I wanted to give poker something that people would actually be proud to wear. Uh, that was outside of a, you know, a parody shirt, a shirt or something, you know, that wouldn't be really recognized mainstream. Um, and, you know, Bernard really fell in love with that. And obviously we talked more after that and then eventually he did take a shirt, um, and then actually became our ambassador. So, uh, it was, you know, it, it was a happy ending after all. You gotta stay persistent with that kind of stuff, right? Lean on him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, that's cool. And then, and then, and then how did that kind of develop into, into the expansion into tours and events and, and everything else that you're getting up to? Cause I, cause I, that story tracks perfectly with what I understand about you and, and your background, but um, what was the tipping point to get, to get bigger and, and greater? Sure. Um, you know, we, uh, I got really lucky uh, on our, our journey upwards. Um, so after we launched in 2012, it took about maybe a year and a half. We were going out to different events and, you know, same thing. Um, eventually that backpack of shirts turned into a box of shirts and eventually turned into a case of shirts and, um, you know, eventually a table here and there at different events. And we were selling at, uh, down in Choctaw, um, Hard Rock Tulsa, a couple of other casinos in the area. And then I get a call out of the blue, uh, from a casino called Downstream Casino, which is in about Joplin, Missouri. Um, they're like, Hey, would you like the headline a tournament? And I was like, absolutely. You know, and you know, we kind of worked out some of the details eventually. And then, um, after that, lo and behold, we're in this casino, we got the whole, you know, nine yards, we got the banner up and we got, you know, a, a, a merchandise table and people are all excited. We got poker news to come out and report it. And, um, it was like one of those things where you're just like, Oh my God, this is like, we had no expectations and here we are, we're, we're hosting our own tournament. Um, and then, uh, I went out to Vegas again and I was lucky enough to bust to Vanessa Selps in a, uh, a set versus her nut flush. I was young and naive and I thought she did not have it. Um, and I was kicking myself cause it was like four hands into this $1,500 event. So I was like all amped up and I was like, Oh, well there goes the day. So I ended up going back to Palm's place. Um, and I sit down at a pie gout table and you know, as anything with gambling, you're sitting down with, a bunch of guys next to you in the trenches and um you know after a couple coronas maybe a couple shots i uh, i started talking to this guy next to me and his name was andrew brock at the time and this was a gentleman who ran the poke room up at horseshoe council bluffs which is our second stop um into the caesars and also a caesars property um he you know he invited me up there i went out there um to play an event they had in-house and i got to actually sit down with the agm uh samir um, and for some strange reason we, we hit it off and he was like, you know, why don't you host a tournament here? And the crazy part about this story is, is that Caesars, they, they actually don't let anyone in. It's because, you know, they have the world series of poker, they have the circuit. So bringing in something completely new, 
um, just isn't in their wheelhouse. Um, and for some strange reason, I got the green light. Um, I'm not sure if corporate knew or not, but we were in there. Um, and next thing you know, you know, with once you're in one of the Caesars properties and you do well, um, other properties reach out to you. And it was kind of word of mouth after that. Um, but the beauty of all of this, right, it all culminated actually as well into getting to meet Haley Hawksettler, who eventually became our VP of marketing. Um, she actually was a, a cocktail server in the poker room. Um, and I remember, you know, wherever we go, you know, obviously, uh, the crew likes to enjoy themselves and party a little bit. Um, and you know, we got to know Haley, uh, up there and stuff. And, you know, she was like, Hey, you know, I actually do photography myself. Um, and I was like, Oh, very cool. I was like, we're going to have a stop down in Kansas city in Missouri, another Harris property. And, you know, if you want to come down and, you know, take some photos, like come on down. Um, and I'm not sure how serious she took it when I was saying it, but you know, I, I, uh, she says that I was, she thought I might've been joking, but she came down anyways, you know, she braved the, uh, the trip down and, um, and behold, she showed up and, uh, handed her a camera and that's pretty much history about itself. You know, she basically, uh, crushed it and has now been a staple along the tour with us for a very long time now. And obviously, um, has worked with other tours, um, but has culminated into her now leading the photography for uh, the biggest event of the year. Yeah. And I know Chris has a question, but I can't turn down a great segue like that. Um, <laughs> Haley, I think some of our listeners and uh, members might be familiar with you um, from some of those photos from the WSOP. Can you just tell us a little bit about kind of your your perspective on on getting together with uh, with the Run Good crowd and, and how that journey looked for, from your side? uh it was a bunch of being in the right place at the right time Mm. um i mean i was pretty much like brought up to be a college athlete and then i ended up dropping out of college and kind of like had a path to nowhere and i ended up working at the casino in council bluffs right after dropping out of college when i was 18 Um, And I didn't really have anything going for me other than I was serving drinks in the middle of the night at a casino. And then um, like meeting all the run good people, just, it just turned into this huge thing that it is now. And I mean, I've been with run good for over five years now and it's only been getting better. Five, five years sounds like a long time, but uh, it, um, it, it, you know, you guys have just been hitting it on a different level every year. So congratulations. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. And, go ahead. Yeah, no, Haley, I just kind of wanted to jump in and ask you a little bit about that. I mean, it sounds like right place, right time, but it also sounds like you, you had some sort of photography background or skills, or, I mean, what, what kind of led you into this? Because like, I mean, I think some of your your photos are like really recognizable in the poker world now. Like yeah. I, I recognize that name on the, you know, like the, whatever you call that, the ink stamp or whatever on all those photos. And like, yeah. so how, how do you approach taking photos for poker and how, how did that, uh, how did that skill develop for you? Yeah. So when I was in high school, I asked for a DSLR camera for my 16th birthday because there was this girl that was in my grade and she had a camera and I asked for the one that she had and I saw these pictures that she was taking. She just take pictures of the sky, a tree, like the most random things. And she just made them look really awesome. And I said, I wanted to do that too. So I got a camera and then I got into sports photography and I was actually the editor of the sports section for the newspaper and the uh, yearbook in high school. And then I ended up going to Iowa state for uh, journalism as well. So I was covering Big 12 sports, uh, football, wrestling, basketball, swimming. And I was just on the sidelines with my big camera everywhere. So a camera has always been in my hands since I was a teenager. And, you know, when I think about um, football, basketball, swimming, they seem potentially like there's more like visible things that you could take a photo shot of like i love the game of poker but it's sort of not as like interesting visually right and so like how do you approach that how do you like what what makes a good poker photo i think for me it's the angle and the eyes so i don't like to shoot above someone i like to shoot 
at their level or below and up. So you get more of like the background around them, the table in front of them. And then I will sit there and wait for somebody's eyes to move. I'll keep my, my camera on my, on my face and I'll watch their eyes and anticipate where they're going to look next. And I, I just, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but like the eyes is the most important thing for me when taking pictures of poker players. That's cool. I know nothing about photography, but I do understand, you know, the value of framing and composition and, and, you know, what you're really trying to do is capture someone's attention with the photograph. Right. And so capturing, Mm -hmm. capturing that dynamic moment. um, I can see how that's important. That's cool. Um, Outside of the photography, um what how do you market something like run good like what does that even look like what is the message that you're trying to put out there how do you reach the people that you want to reach um and you know for another fledgling uh small fun poker company out there like ours how do you decide what's working and what's not working like what does success or failure look like as as a marketing professional in this area I mean, I think photography like is a pretty big part of it. You want to take pictures and like capture the fun times that are had on the tour and make people want to come like Lexi Gavin. She's always smiling. Like who doesn't want to sit next to her and play in a poker game or um, we run a lot of polls and just anything to engage with people anything that can get somebody to reply to something or comment on something or click on something that they didn't necessarily have to, you know, throw some smiley faces on there, throw some emojis on there, make a pretty picture stand out with, with it too. Yeah. And and just to piggyback that, I I think, you know, for anyone who's starting up anything, you know, the biggest thing in social media that you can do is, is you don't want to be vanilla or cookie cutter. Um, You know, uh, it's funny because, you know, it, there's there's a couple of people behind the Run Good Gear accounts um, that handle some of our social media posting. Um, but you can really see that it's taking a little bit of all of our personalities that go into it. Um, yeah, you, you can it. tell. You, you can definitely <laughs> tell when I'm tweeting and when Donna's tweeting. <laughs> and the beauty of it is, is like you want to treat it almost like a, you know, like you're you're actually you're texting a group chat, a really, really, really big group chat. Um, and the fun part about it is you just want it to be engaging. And also, um, you know, a lot of things is, you know, we'll sometimes go in and we'll just go and check out what everyone's doing, um, and respond and, and, you know, get excited about seeing other people winning tournaments or going deep in tournaments or, um, putting up fun posts about, you know, their family or dog or, or whatever. Um, cause at the end of the day too, like, I think the biggest thing that separated us from a couple of the other tours is that you know, we're, we're a group of people rather than like a company. And Mm -hmm. we really do enjoy connecting with players on a personal level. Um, just as much as we love, you know, hosting tournaments is, you know, we want, like, even if we're not on tour, we're not, you know, we don't have any events coming up anytime soon. Like we're still being active on there and we're interacting with people. And, you know, the, the beauty of it is, is like, you know, we're just like another player out there that you come to know and love and play with for hours on end. Um, you know, now it's just, you know, either me or Haley behind the messaging, I yeah. guess. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think it is. People can tell when you're being authentic and real about that kind of stuff too, I think. And, you know, re- that does resonate with people. And um, I think much like rec poker, I think you probably have kind of a, um, a, a uniquely positive self-selecting group that that uh enjoys what you guys do and that that really is valuable in its own right having a great community of good people around you you know that's the best so what are what are the next uh few events coming up that people can mark the calendar for i know we talked about uh, going back to council bluffs for a short trip uh, november 11 through 14 um what to tell us a little bit about that and uh, and what's coming up afterwards sure sure no yeah so we'll be back at portrait council bluffs uh november 11th through 14th uh, starting on Thursday um, and leading up only to Sunday, which would be three events. Um, the first event will be a black chip bounty. Um, then will lead us into two flights, which is normally there's normally three, but this will be a little bit different on the schedule wise. So definitely if you're planning on coming out, take a look at it before you do. Um, they're 10 a.m. start times um, and they're only one flight per day. 
So the big thing that we ran into when we went out there for the first time uh, after the pandemic for being on hiatus for probably a year and a half was we were uh, we were overwhelmed by how much love we got for people coming out. But we also knew that uh, with that much love, um, it's sometimes hard to deliver for everyone. Uh, so we did not have enough tables uh, this time around. You know, there's a lot of stuff sometimes outside of our control that, you know, we can't necessarily always get the right amount of staff or we can't get the right amount of space uh, for what we need to do. Um, but at the end of the day, we still want to provide people with events, um, especially here in the Midwest where there's a lot of places that are still closed or still refusing to run tournaments. Um you know, whether it's upper management or staffing or even spacing once again. Um, so we're really just trying our best to make sure that we keep in touch with our players. But um, this one is going to be a little bit shortened version of our normal week series. So with the three events, we did spice it up a little bit by adding a pro-am seat uh, to each event. So each winner will win an added pro-am seat, which is a 550 seat to go out to Vegas um, to play at the Poker Go Studio, which is a private event. It's 64 players. So throughout the past two years, we've qualified 32 players from the tour um, and 32 invitees, which would be including, you know, like Phil Helmuth, Negreanu, Maria Ho, um, Boston Robson for Survivor, Tyson Apostle for Survivor. Um, we have, you know, Twitch uh, Twitch streamers as well coming in, like uh, Janator Jake and um, just a whole host of characters from all different walks of, you know, entertainment. Um, you know, Jeff Platt will be there as well. And so will Jamie. And, you know, the big thing about this is it's really going to be able to showcase kind of what this tour is about and really that fun atmosphere, but more importantly now, and probably one of poker's biggest stages, you know, these are the guys that are producing the world series of poker for CBS sports. Uh, they're producing super high roller bowl. They're producing high stakes poker, poker after dark, you name it. Um, now we're getting to take somebody who maybe is going to win a $250 tournament in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and now is getting to play on the same stage where they've traded, you know, Phil Hamith has traded, you know, 200K of money across this table. Um, and we're going to be basically circling people in and out of the live stream table. You know, we'll have commentators, the whole nine yards. So it's really going to be a unique experience for just anyone who's able to qualify. More importantly, just to watch as well, um, because you're going to be seeing people who, you know, probably play in your room for the past, you know, 18 years, mm -hmm. you know, every morning you see, you know, there's, there's Jim, um, you know, buying in we're about to grind some poker for the next six hours. And all of a sudden now he's like, there's my boy, Jim on that TV, <laughs> you know, and everyone's cheering for him and hoping that he goes deep and he's, you know, stuffing it against Helmuth. I don't know. I mean, there's so many possibilities, but I think that's the, that's the beauty and the dream of this opportunity to poker go and, and what we're doing for the pro-am and, you know, we're trying to give as many seats out or possible seats that we can uh, for this event. Um, and then we're also trying to work with Aria to do some last minute qualifying as well for folks out uh, in Vegas. So that will be near December 10th or 9th and 10th. And the filming of the actual event and the live stream of it will be December 11th and 12th. So there's a lot to mark on your calendar, but if you do subscribe to PokerGo, um, you know, definitely, uh, definitely check out when those things will come on up. But uh, more importantly, you know, you can always follow any of our socials and um, you know, our Facebook page is pretty accurate on what's coming up and what's coming around the corner. But you know, that's uh, those are the biggest things leading out mm. into our 2021 exit. Nice. Well that, I mean, talk about marketing, that's that plan just writes itself. You can find yourself qualifying into one of these amazing events and uh, having all that fun with all the pros. And that sounds like a really cool, a really cool idea. So kudos for putting that together. Um, I love that idea of giving recreational players that seat at the table, you know, and kind of catapulting them into that different stratosphere that we all watch on TV and enjoy and, and, and aspire to. That's very cool. Um, and yeah, so I hear you about, uh, not having enough tables sometimes, but that's what's going to happen when you smash the guarantees, right? Like, <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Too many people showed up to go drop their money into the prize pool. Yeah, that's going to be a problem every once in a while. So that, that's a good problem to have, man. That's a good problem to have. So um, we'll put some links in the show notes, but uh, if people do want to stay up to date or stay informed or join your group or, or you know, do you have a newsletter? What's the best email address they should go to what's the best twitter handle or facebook account how do they get locked into some of this run good goodness sure no uh the easiest way is definitely um just joining the the facebook at rungoodgear.com 
Um, just hit the like button. You'll see posts that will come up as we get closer to the events. Um, if you want uh, day-to-day information or definitely like uh, notifications, there is an actual event on Facebook that you can join. Um, and we'll post stuff in there uh, as we get closer alongside that. Um, but outside of that, really just, you know, following our socials and you can always find more information at runkagear.com under um, events. And, you know, if there's uh, if for any strange reason, you know, if you can't find information through those, you can always reach out to me or Haley or any of our ambassadors at that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll all, you kind of know what's going on and, and, you know, how best to help you. And if they can't help you, they'll probably reach out to us and, and then we'll take care of you. So um, that's the beauty of it too, is that, you know, if, if you can't reach this giant corporate entity called Rungid, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of other people that you can reach out to that will take care of you. That's so. great. And, and if none of that works, you can always email Steve at rec.poker because I know uh, he's a big Rungid fan. I think he plans on being as at as many of these events as, uh, as he can. So um, in, in, in a worst case scenario, there you go. Well, is there anyone else? I'll give uh, the the groups and the members in the chat here a chance just to type in any last minute questions. But um, failing that, uh, Tana and Haley, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with or uh, any last minute tips or advice to young aspiring uh, players or people that want to make a little more of themselves in the poker industry? Um, Sure. No, I think, uh, well, just on the, you know, off topic or I guess, to help maybe answer what you're asking is, you know, I think definitely the first step is joining groups like this, like rec poker. Um, it's important out there, especially if you are coming to this game, there's a lot of highs and there's a lot of lows mm. um, and being able to learn from them and share them with others. You'll learn exponentially faster than on your own. Um, and, you know, definitely don't ever be afraid to share hand histories and even bad beat stories. I mean, bad beat stories are, are things to learn from those. I know we always joke about them, um, but at the end of the day, talking out loud and having other people provide input for you, um, goes a long way. So definitely kudos to rec poker for building this community. Um, but more importantly though, um, pat yourself on the back for, for being part of it. Cause you're on the first step to, uh, to improving your game. Cheers. Love that. So true. So true. I wish, I wish I, I wish I'd started learning with other people earlier in my career because I learned on my own for a long time and I know I'd be so much further ahead by now if I just uh, uh, started working with other people, you know, learn, learn from other people's mistakes. Good. Right on. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tana and Haley. I enjoyed having you on here. Not for the last time. And I hope everyone gets a chance to go out to uh, Council Bluffs November 11th through 14 and see what all the buzz is about. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, well, we'll run the commercial uh, for our friend Jonathan Little here and catch up for some community events on the other side. Thanks again, Tana and Haley. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with Ace King when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a 1,000 interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. There you go. Go check that out by going to PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker. And Jonathan Little has told me personally that he has a money-back guarantee if you don't like what he's doing over there and don't think it's valuable, just tell him and he will give you your money back. So Tim and Chris, you guys can take yourselves off mute. Uh, we, that's the end of the interview portion of the show. Um, that was fun. That was a, a cool little peek behind the curtain. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, Chris, you've, uh, you said you're still waiting to hit your first run yeah. good event. No, um, no it, I, I mean, everything I've heard is just that they're, you know, just, it's kind of like, it's not your typical sort of like, grumpy poker <laughs> tour it's like it's like it's like got really good fun people involved i think and and i think that translates to something that makes it a pretty special gathering and i think a lot of people mark them on the calendars and head to them so mm. i'm excited to to go to one when i can yeah and tim you said they're they're practically in your backyard right yeah so um i'll just add you know anybody who wants any information that plans on heading out from the rec poker community, feel free to reach out to me. Um, the horseshoe and council bluffs is my local casino. So I hit all of the run good events there. Um, and yeah, they're, they're a great time. I can tell you 
that the bounty, the first night bounty, um, at least like with the big series, this one's a little bit bigger buy-in, so it might be a little different, but usually, I mean, the drinks are flowing, <laughs> people are having a good time, like it's, it's definitely a fun time, you know, it gets more serious for the main, but usually yeah. that opening bounty is, is just a fun time. Um, you're saying Oops. I could find a few Long Island iced teas if I looked hard enough? At the, uh... Oh, yeah. You oh, did. man. <laughs> that is, yeah. Boy, boy. When I heard that story, that was, that was like, that's, that's a, that's a tough that poker good. drink. That's a tough poker drink. Let's just say. Yeah. <laughs> It was a good one. It was a good one. Might have to be a new tradition. You never know. That's hey, cool. Yeah. I, I, yeah, Tim. Uh, some people play better that way, you know, just how it goes. I, I, I do find like one, one does kind of <laughs> loosen me up a little, or I just, I'm not overthinking things. I'm kind of in flow a little easier. We get a comment from Jim Gibson here in the chat. How many rounds of iced teas? Yeah, I, I personally put ele- put eight rounds out, but a few other people did some other rounds. There was at least 11 or 12 actual rounds of long island iced teas for the table are you serious oh yeah oh yeah over the course of like six hours or something we were there for quite a while and i only knocked one over so really that's like 10 and a half or 11 and a half that were actually consumed it was a heck of a time i would forget winning at poker i would be happy if i was conscious (laughs) yeah yeah. i was able if you didn't have to carry me out of there it was a win for me (laughs) i was doing well enough that at one point i just considered i should just take this off the table now i'm feeling a little drunk and it's time to it's time to go home it's time to go home so i did but uh steve told me i was maybe a little more drunk than i thought i was based on his based on his objective (laughs) third-party report i might have been a little more drunk than i thought i was but that was uh, i hadn't been to vegas in a couple years so you got to go blow off some steam and have some fun that's right and i wasn't doing a brick in every tournament i entered i had to go have some fun at the cash tables that was the only way to only way to salvage it (laughs) hey you did all right in the uh shootout didn't you I, I in, the, in the flip, yes, the, the, deal, the, I mean. the asterisk, the asterisk <laughs> tournament. I knew I was going to do well in the asterisk tournament. There was no way I couldn't. It's hey, there's a couple it. people in that field that fired like 19 oh, yeah. times. I know. I know. Times. Yeah, David Williams was at my table afterwards, and uh, he was on his 19th. And I think we decided at the table he had to finish fourth just to break even. Hmm. Um, so that was that was crazy. That, that one guy. They, they must first. just they're just bracelet hunting at that point, right? Yeah. Is that kind of what? Yeah. They're, yeah. yeah. Well, in that yeah. one, I think it was just after the flip and go aspect of it. It's such a shrunk field anyway, you know, yeah. compared yeah. to the other bracelet events, it's probably just a better yes. likelihood of winning a bracelet period. That, that, that was my thinking because everyone that makes it through there, I mean, unfortunately, they're all extremely lucky. So you can't work against that. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's probably it's, a pretty wreck heavy field compared yeah, to. Yeah. And it's like 10, 10, you're down to 10% of the field or so, right? They're 10 yeah. handed tables. Yeah, well, uh, there were eight to start. So you're oh, down to okay. one eighth, but still, you know. No, nothing wrong with that, but but it, <laughs> it's just it's too that, so that was my first bracelet cash. That was my first bracelet event cash, and I'm glad that it joins the asterisk club along with this silver <laughs> pin and this bronze pin. So I'm I'm like three out of my four big uh, big um, events are all yeah. Uh, you're gonna have asterisks. to strap the bracelet across the top there if you want. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you can put it right up right up here. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a good spot for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get too distracted uh, from talking about Tim Fritz because Tim is actually one of the newest members of the Wrecking Crew. Uh, so Tim and I have been working together for the last month, along with website Mark, getting his Wrecking Crew page set up. Uh, Tim's running a weekly study group here on Sunday mornings where people can tune up and get ready for the day ahead. So, Tim, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, your poker story, what made you decide to join the Wrecking Crew and what you're doing here at Rec Poker. Yeah, so uh, I'm Tim, uh, aka Miss Click Donkey. Uh, you probably see me in the home game on ACR. A lot of people, I've had just random people message me, you know, before and say, "Hey, like, you're Miss Click Donkey on ACR, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, solid name." And <laughs> even my wife the other day, she goes, "Did you actually come up with that on your by yourself?" And I said. Yeah, and I was surprised it wasn't taken on anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, it's That's available awesome. on all platforms. Like, it's amazing. It's <laughs> amazing. But uh, just uh, like poker, you know, like like most people got into poker at a very young age. Uh, whether it was like I was in daycare, um, watching the World Series of Poker on TV, like glued to the TV at like <laughs> you know seven years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know just family home games, you know playing for snacks or whatever. And then I kind of didn't really play like all that much. You know, I messed around with like some free apps here and there, but um, 
my brother-in-law took me to a pub league one night and I, I won both um, events that night. And I was like, huh, like maybe I can do this. Like I really like poker and I've always had a um, subscription to poker go ever since I can remember watched all the events, um, all the major events and just, you know, followed poker for a long, long time. And uh, actually it was funny, like um, how I got into rec poker is I was at the uh, Council Bluffs Run Good event, um, and there was a bunch of rec poker guys there. And I was talking with uh, a friend from my coaching group, Woody, who everybody knows is uh, Rocket Box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, we had the same coach. And I was talking with him, and I said, dude, I I remember you saying something about rec poker one day, like, when we were chatting. I was like, what's with these guys? Like, they're they're everywhere. Like... (laughs) There's patches everywhere. Like they're, you know, they're all seem to be having a good time. And he's like, Oh yeah. And he only just kind of just started describing, describing it to me. And I, huh, I'll have to check them out. And then joined up basically right after that. So, uh, so just kind of funny there, how, you know, with the run good and stuff that that's how I kind of got turned on to it all. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. When I was down in Vegas, um, you know, people see the mask or the logo on the shirt or the hat. And so people ask about rec poker and um, it's such an easy, fun thing to get to talk about and to have fun talking about. I think uh, it, 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 you know, the people that enjoy that kind of positive camaraderie, um, they just see us out there having such a good time. And how, how can they not get get excited about joining and that sort of thing? But you've been a great addition, Tim. Tell, tell us a bit about uh, so you so you can go to uh, rec.poker slash Tim Fritz, I believe, if you want to find out more about you. And uh, you've got your your Sunday morning group. Take us uh, take us through that a little. Yeah. So the Sunday morning group is um, it's DTO is what the uh, software is. It's a basically a GTO learning tool and kind of like a. I don't know. I consider it to be like a game. I mean, poker is a game, but it's like a game. Basically, you know, you, you go through these different spots. You can choose like ICM three bet heads up single raise pot, all these different spots, different big blinds. And then you get to pick your positions and you can just dive right in and you study hands and, you know, every once in a while, like you'll get a blunder as they call it, where you just completely just womp the hand. And I mean, I do it myself. I think I was telling somebody, uh, doing blind versus blind. That is by far my worst spot. Mm-hmm. And I think I was like, yeah, I was messing around with it one Sunday morning when I was doing my warm up, And I think I blundered like 10 hands in a row. And I was like, Ugh, blind on blind. Like I'm going to something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just a, it's a great learning tool. And like, it's something to where um, when you're doing it on your own, like you can, like I use it at like my lunch break, you know, mm-hmm. after I'm done eating, I got, you know, say 15, 20 minutes, you can run through 30, 40 hands. And it's just something where you subconsciously just start like recognizing these certain spots with the certain boards. And you're like, Oh, I know what to do here. Mm-hmm. I know what to do here. And cause that was something I really struggled with uh, for a long time was just, Oh, I get in these tricky spots or, you know, I'd have ACE King and the flop would come queen 10, seven. And I'm like, well, what do I do now? Like I three bet, but I didn't hit nothing. <laughs> well, you're still supposed to bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you don't just shut down. Cause then, Oh, well, okay. You shut down. What's he going to do next? You know, when the turn comes, he's going to bet and you're going to be like, Oh well, shit, he's got a queen. I'm going to fold. Um, so it just helps you like so much. And I mean, I've, since I've been consistently playing, you know, for a few months on Sundays, I've, done dto as my warm-up for an hour before i play every every time and i've just noticed a massive increase in just knowledge of you know Mm. flops board textures stack depths um is a big one um and it's just really helped me and i know like there's a lot of other people you know i could list through the stats of these dto crushers that are just like killing tournaments right now i think just over the weekend somebody got third in a 5k online buy-in for like 70,000 mm-hmm. uh the first mm-hmm. weekend of the acr sunday million uh dto dom himself like one of the main creators he got second and one of the main dto crushers got first <laughs> and so they were chatting you know i'm going back and forth afterwards you know on certain hands and stuff um they also had they have their own discord channel for anybody who has dto um and I, I just, I really enjoy it. And like my coaching group, we have 
a spot of the week where we do a spot of the week um, and just everybody kind of goes through it and, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions if you do mm-hmm. get it and have trouble with something, you know, reach out, ask me questions. Um, I do have promo code. You have to enter it online though. I will say we learned this the hard way. You have to enter it on the web-based program. You can't, they do have an app, but if you enter the promo code on the app, it doesn't work for some reason. They're working through trying to fix that, but for the time being, just enter it on the uh, website. The promo code is misclick and it'll get you 20% off any of their subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, they have different tiers. I think one's like $10, one's like 20 or $30. And then the $100 one uh, is the super high roller where it breaks down everything the most. Uh, the middle tier, I believe you get all of, all of the ranges, but it doesn't tell you what percentage they're doing with each hand um, on certain boards. So, I mean, to me, the $100 one's worth it, but that's definitely out of a lot of people's budget. For the longest time, I operated off the $30 version and it was just fine. Um, But if you have the budget, I would definitely go with the bigger one, but whatever fits you. And twenty percent off is twenty percent off. Like, yeah, that that adds up on the sales. It? So yeah, and that's uh, that's for the lifetime of it, right? That's not just upfront. That would be yes, yes. Off that's as long as you remember. Yep. yep. Nice. As long as you um, stay active, um, you know, if you let the thing lapse and then go to resubscribe, enter right. the code again, um, right? Because it it wouldn't be back. But all right. Nice. Well, people can find out more uh, about Tim at at Rec Poker and by joining on the Sunday morning group. It's uh, every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central, I believe. And it's about an hour. And one of the things I love most about this is Tim is getting at exactly the heart of Rec Poker here, which is taking things that he would normally do anyway and just inviting other people along for the ride. You know, that like that's what I do these Saturday afternoon study groups because I just needed to find some time every week for me to study something. And I wanted to involve the rest of rec poker in that. Um, but we all have real jobs. Our, our study time and our playing time is at a premium. So we can't sort of like just create new stuff to work on. The best way to do it is to find things that we're already passionate about and invite people into there. Um, right. So, right. you know, Tim loves DTO. He uses that a lot. I use poker tracker for, um, you know, I know Chris, really enjoys Flopzilla and uh, solvers and that kind of things. So we all have our areas where we like to, uh, to work and share our experiences and our expertise. Um, so I know I'm going to look forward to a few of these uh, Sunday morning sessions, Tim. That's, that's exciting, man. Yeah. And, and just to add, I know they kind of, everybody touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, studying with a group really mm. helps. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, yeah. You, you can study on your own and you're like, you run into a spot where it doesn't make sense. And you're like, that can't be moving on. Right. Um, it just, it really helps to bounce ideas off of people kind of, you know, and you're learning together. So, you know, nobody's wrong. Nobody's going to jump down your throat and be like, Oh, well, this guy's stupid. You know, nobody thinks like that because even if you are further along than somebody, you were there at one point, you remember Mm -hmm. what it was like. So group study is definitely something that's like really helped me in my journey, whether, whatever, uh, study group you choose, I would definitely recommend studying with a group over yeah. just by yourself. C- couldn't agree more. And when we do our forums episodes of the podcast, I think the best ones are when people on the panel disagree because we get, because obviously we disagree when we have different perspectives, but we do it respectfully and constructively. Right. And I think we always find, we, we always end up closer to truth when we disagree in, in a positive way. So that's really something to embrace, but it takes, you know, some self-confidence to um, go out there and say, I'm, I'm not sure about something or I'm okay with being wrong, but that's how, that's the only way to get better. Right. If, and if you get a lot better, like our man, Chris Jones here, I know Chris has to leave soon to go set up the next seminar, but um, other than what's going on in Memberland, you just binked another not small tournament, Chris, didn't you share, share a little with the group about what's going on with your crazy quarter? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I binked another ACR uh, big Sunday, just another um, bink, another Sunday yeah. bink for so, Chris. That, that was fun. It was, it was yeah, really, it was fun. It's it uh, I mean, it's it's kind of what you're, you know. And I, I couldn't go to the WSOP this year, so I really made a commitment that I'm going to really try to play some Sundays uh, throughout the fall and really, you know, uh, kind of ramp up my online game. I've been, you know, I've I've been really trying to focus on some of the 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 online. Uh, piece I've really and I one of the things I think I've been really been able to figure out in this past year is is some of my 
note taking and some of mm. that. And um, if I ever share some stuff that about this particular tournament, um, there there were two or three spots that I really remember that um, that I went specifically off a note I took and it mm. worked perfectly. Nice. Oh, um, those are great. That's a great yeah. feeling. And That's so feeling. that that there were some really great things about this tournament that were that were fun for me. Nice. Nice. Well, congratulations, man. It's great to see. Thanks. Uh, I, Chris works really hard on this stuff, but he's also just a naturally gifted player. And so um I you know it's a 50-50 or, or a, just a natural luck box. That's no, other, I've got that other. covered. I've got that covered for the entire <laughs> panel when it comes to lucking into things. That's here. That's Mr. Asterisk. Um <laughs> But no, I think it's even money between Chris and Taylor. Who's going to get that first bracelet? But uh, these two guys are they're in a race. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, Chris, you're also working on the focus every month and uh, the monthly seminar, which we're going to free you to go organize right now. Um, th- why, what's the what's the setup this month? Uh, so this month seminar? we're gonna. Uh, I, this is going to take a little bit of tinkering on my part, but we're going to try to have um, most of the table playing pretty short stacked between 15 to 25 big blinds. And even if they chip up, I'm going to knock them back down. Yeah. Um, nice. So most basically people are going to be consistently playing with that, that short stack. And we're going to talk about some spots that come up. I think um, uh, I see a number of players make pretty big errors in this spot. And it's a spot that I think you can, you can learn um, to play really well and effectively. So that's what we're going to be focusing on this month. Nice. Well, um, we've got a whole ton. Uh, we haven't done a, a, a live podcast in a while. So we've got a few weeks of home game winners that I'm going to run through here. Um, so Chris, if you have to go and yeah, I got to go, go get I saw the list though. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll catch you. I'll catch up with you in the seminar a little later on, Chris. Thanks, okay, man. sounds good. I'll That's see you then. Looking forward to it, buddy. All right. Uh, yeah, we're all about the back-to-back engaging opportunities here at Rec Poker. So we finish this podcast. In some weeks, we jump into uh, recording the forums edition of the podcast. Some weeks, we jump into the seminar. Uh, some weeks, we have a planning meeting after this. And so I, I will just circle that for a second. Um, this episode will come out the first week of November. I'm pretty sure this one comes out on the 2nd. So if you're listening to the, the, uh, this the day it comes out, it's November 2nd, Tuesday. The following week on Monday night, uh, November 8th, we're going to have a planning meeting. And normally, the Rec Poker planning meeting is just for the core team And we talk about how we're going to run the seminar that month and and what to sort of uh, keep everyone in the loop about. Um, But this one's going to be a little different. We're inviting everyone from the Wrecking Crew, some active members. And I thought I would just put it out there on the podcast. If if you're a regular listener and you have some thoughts on how we might improve things at Rec Poker or some ideas on how we might grow into 2022, it's a good time to share those thoughts because we are putting some big things in motion for next year, we're trying to sort of see what's worked and what hasn't worked this year. And um, you can email me, jim at rec.poker. And um, I'd love to invite you to this planning meeting and maybe we can uh, pick your brain and find out uh, some other ways to improve. So don't be a stranger and uh, don't hesitate to reach out on that front. Um, other news in member land, we're still, uh, Steve and John and some of the gang are down in Las Vegas right now. So we're still uh, uh, adjusting the timing on some events. Make sure to check out the calendar at rec.poker right on the homepage there. You can see everything that comes up this week. And um, I want to run through some home game winners here. And I'm not going to give everyone the full John Somsky treatment uh, because there's no one to take John Somsky's place. All we can do is step in for the moment. Um, but going back to the end of September, Brown Eyes or Nikki Smith, Dan Wick, M. Babker, Michael, and look at this, misclick donkey himself, Tim Fritz, won his first uh, daily, the nightly series on September 30th. Congratulations, Tim. Way to go. You'll, uh, we're sending out those pins, I think, twice a year. So we'll get that mailing out to you sometime this winter, I think. Um, just put them all in one package. Yeah, you. now you're talking. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. We'll just put a few aside for now, and then we'll see how many it gets to by mailing time. Um, you're in good company here. The next night was Fergie 56, Kim Kilroy, uh, winning her ninth uh, nightly. And then the night after that was Rocket Box, Woody Adams, uh, our old friend from Pennsylvania, coming in for uh, his nightly. Um, 
Also, Jamel, uh, Fortune New York on the second. Evil Roy, uh, our, our friend David. Uh, Trey, Thomas Penna. Uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, Jeff S. won an LPP tournament. And so uh, if anyone wins a tournament on Sunday, you can email me, jim at rec.poker, and I will send you your prize, which is not only a pin, but a free month at Learn Pro Poker. So I do encourage everyone to go check that out. Um, later in October, uh, type login, Joseph Foss, uh, Deuces Wild, Kevin Kalhoff, Hot Rod Bunny, Ace Booyah, Greg, GF Hawk, Eric, Mo, Eric Romo sneaking in there on October 9th with the win. Eric Romo, uh, GF Hawk, he and I both prefer No Limit Hold'em to mixed games, but Eric, we're going to get you enjoying one of these mixed games before the year is over, man. Um, Stewie, Stuart Carriage uh, pulls in a mixed game event win on the 9th, and then Doug Drabeck shows his head again in the winner's circle on October 9th in the international event. Evil Roy, David coming back, and Misclick Donkey showing up again here, winning the Sunday, uh, October 10th uh, LPP event, and Tim, you've already sent me your request and I sent you that code for LPP. So next time we have you on the show, I want to hear about uh, how that's going and what exciting stuff of theirs you're, you're looking up for. On October 11th, Eric Anderson, who's here in the chat. Hi, Eric. Uh, congratulations. This is the silver pin, this beautiful little bad boy right there. Congratulations, Eric, on the silver pin. I'm looking forward to reviewing your ascent to greatness in the monthly online review and hang on Wednesday, where every month we take a look at the recorded play from the final table of the Tournament of Champions. And uh, Eric uh, won this one, and Eric was running Poker Tracker. So he sent me his hand history for the tournament. So we're actually going to be able to review the, the hand history from the final table with Eric's cards exposed and um, with all the details of the hand captured by Poker Tracker for my area of expertise. So uh, that's going to be super fun. We'll get a chance to really go deep into Eric's play. And um, every month when we do this, uh, we really learn a lot about the player pool at Rec Poker. We learn about sizing. We learn about player tendencies. And as the final table marches down towards uh, heads up in the final victor, it's a really good opportunity to share some thoughts, ask some questions about shorthanded poker and how to go get that silver pin, that elusive silver pin. But we also had Gopher Boy DJM, the, our own Taylor Moss, winning on the 13th. Uh, Mudslinger Jack Petchel uh, came in for one. Uh, Dan33148. Hot Rod Bunny, Keck Geek 65, the Slayer, Jacob Kiki, who's up to 17 or 18 wins or something this year on his March to 20. Um, Hazi, my man Chad McVean coming in to win the mixed event, of course, on October 16th. And then uh, CPC, Chris Kerrigan, Kerrignan, Kerrignan. I somskied that one. Chris, you'll have to write in and tell me what uh, how to pronounce that. And John Lutzi. I'm going to go with Lutzi. Lutzi. I've been calling him John Lutzi this whole time. But someone told me recently that I've been calling Rob, uh, Roger Shoot, Roger Shoot, and his real name is Roger Shooty. So, Roger, my apologies, sir. Shooty only from now on. And now I'm not sure about Lutzi or Lutzi. So, John, that's on you. You got to tell me, buddy. Uh, Randy Smith Roadster, Roadstar coming in on the 17th. No. Uh, no, uh, what am I trying to say? He's not new to the winner's circle. And then the last week that we missed, Hunter H, Hunter Haas, Eric Anderson showing up again just for a boring old bronze pin this time. And Kim Kilroy and Miss Click Donkey and Chad McVean and Jacob Kiki. Oh, my God, it's a who's who of rec poker Illuminati here in the last week. Uh, Keto Man, Kian Tavacoli, uh, winning the mixed event. Way to go, Kian. And Keith Brandt, who's another new member of the Wrecking Crew Rocking it uh, in the international series. Uh, Jeff S., a different Jeff S., uh, Jay Setham, winning on the 23rd. And Iceberg King, John Scare, uh, winning his first LPP tournament. So, yeah, John, I think I actually saw an email from you already. And so I will send you off that code. Congratulations to everyone who participated in those. And uh, we got a few repeat winners in there. So that's exciting. Nice work, everybody. <sighs> yeah, that was All a right. lot. <laughs> that was a lot. Well, you know, when John signed up to uh, be our online home game director, he, we were doing two tournaments a month. 
and now we do a l- 40 or 41 a month, depending it's on the lot. month. So it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to catch up on. There you go, John. Uh, John Somsky, I hope you're down there crushing it with Steve and the gang. Um, I missed my time at the Rec Poker House. Boy, that was fun. I'm already looking forward to uh, to next time. So, Tim, it's just you and me, buddy. Um, anything else we should add? Any cherries we want to put on top or just uh, bust on out of here and go learn how to play some short stack play in the seminar? Uh, yeah. Everybody <laughs> needs to go to the short stack seminar. Oh, yeah. Um, no kidding, man. Just, People make so many mistakes in this stack. Deck. I just I see like a lot of things um, short stack wise just by playing the home games, you know, yeah. Yeah. a lot of opening sizes, kind of range stuff. Um, mm-hmm. What to do when somebody opens. I think mm-hmm. it'd be great for everybody. Um not just myself. I, I love short stack play. I will say um, a big thing for me that I will preach to anybody, short stack, short stack, short stack, because you're going to play 80% of your tournament in the 15 to 30 big blind range. Mm-hmm. You know, you might get lucky and be like Chris and just ride 70 big blinds <laughs> the entire tournament and bink the thing. But for most of us, you know, you're, you're fluctuating, you know, 20 to 30, 20 to 40 back down to 20. Oh, now I'm at 15. Okay. Now I'm going back up to 20. You got to really know how to navigate those stacks to be able to run deep in a tournament. Um, that's where I probably spent 75% of all my learning so far, Mm. um, is in short stack play. Yeah. And I think also, you know, people don't appreciate how much skill can be involved in playing a short stack and even down to, you know, nine, eight, seven big blinds there. It's easy to make mistakes at that depth. Uh, but, but it's also easy to just do a little studying and pick up some low hanging fruit when it comes to getting better at that depth. And there are some surprising, some surprising little rules of thumb that you might be able to use when it comes to when to call instead of raising, when to raise instead of calling, when to raise instead of folding a lot of that stuff that, you know, at 30 or 40 big blinds doesn't make any sense at all. When you get down to 10 to 20 big blinds, it, it can actually make a lot of sense. And, um, as Tim says, this is where most of the tournament is played. Um, and, and I'll tell you one thing, and this is uh, Eric Anderson says in the chat, you can't win if you can't play shorthanded and short stacked. They all end that way. Exactly. Every tournament ends up being shorthanded and short stacked. And that's where the most expensive decisions are made. That's where the most expensive mistakes are made. So you don't want to be practicing that for the first time when it matters. So get, get this kind of short stack play in. And if you have a little confidence in your ability to play a seven big blind stack, then when you've got a 14 big blind stack, there's not that much pressure on you to actually make something happen before you get too short. Right. Because I think right. you'd, you'd be surprised. You can get quite, quite short and still feel like you can make intelligent uh, poker decisions. And so... Right, yeah, you don't get that uh, the just the mindset of oh man, blinds are creeping up. You know, I've got twelve big blinds here. I need to make something happen. Right? No, 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 you don't. No, <laughs> you no. can just you can just fold all those bad hands just right yeah. away. You know, yeah. It just it, it really helps having that confidence. And like Jim said, when you get deep in a tournament, like Chris's tournament last night, I'll use that for reference. I think when they hit the final table of that hundred k. I think there was two stacks that were like 50 to 60 big blinds. Everybody else was 25 or below. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, actually Chris was one of those 25 or belows and then ended up, you know, getting some hands. I know we ran a pretty nice bluff at one point, um, but it's just having confidence in your game at at that stack depth that will help you progress and be able to make those final table runs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So don't, and, and I think especially for us recreational players, we do feel like sometimes we just have to make something happen or we have to like manufacture a spot because we've got a blocker or something like that. But honestly, if you don't feel that pressure, if you can just continue making good poker decisions, no matter what your stack is and not feel like you're at some threshold where you have to make something happen that isn't there. I mean, you're going to, you're going to make fewer stupid mistakes that keep you up at night later. So take that one from me. Um, You know, you're going to, you're just going to make fewer mistakes that you are going to have to wonder about later. So yep. you should always take the plus EV spots that are presented to you, but get comfortable with a short stack because you will, your ROI will increase dramatically. I, uh, 
just you know i do it too i oh yeah last night i was running very deep in a tournament uh 27 left with 4,000 uh, runners. Mm-hmm. And I opened, I think, from the hijack, small blind jammed. I had ace 10 called. And instantly when I called, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, that's not a call. Like, right. why would you do that? And it was for my, st- like, basically my whole stack. I think I was left with two big ones. He had ace king. Mm-hmm. And it just board ran clean. He wins. And I'm like, well, that's the tournament. I'm yep. down to a big blind and a half. Yep. And yep. 27 left, you know, out of 4,000. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't win a tournament in one hand, but right. boy, you, you can lose it. You can That's lose right. it. And then, you know, poker, if, if other, if there's other people that used to play golf out there, like me, you know, poker is a lot like golf and that the player that makes the fewest mistakes or that makes the smallest mistakes is going to be the player that ends up winning. It's, right. it's a lot less about making great plays as it is just avoiding terrible mistakes especially at our level as recreational players we can just eliminate some of the stupid mistakes we make when we play every time myself included even down in vegas for the series three different tournaments i can think of where i i played a hand where i just i I was just wrong it was just a stupid thing to do raising instead of calling with with the kind of hand that you should never raise stuff like that or or folding when i should have called getting the kind of odds i was getting um so get get comfy with that short stack and go on and crush with it. That's that's my advice to the group here today. And I'll just kind of end here with uh, on this topic with a quote from Gareth James from mm. MTT Poker Academy. Mm. You can always come back from a short stack, but you can never come back from the rail. <sighs> I love it. I love it. Well, we're not going to get a better way out of here than that. So I'd like to thank Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. And of course, our friend Mark Prashan at Website Amp. Uh, Tana and Haley, Chris and Tim, Eric, Jim and Martha. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.